Welcome to the CrocCast, a podcast for peace studies conversations convened by the University of Notre Dame's Croc Institute for International Peace Studies, part of the Keough School of Global Affairs. And welcome to this episode of the CrocCast. I'm Anne Hayner, Associate Director for Alumni Relations here at the Croc Institute. And I'm thrilled to be here with longtime colleague and an alum of the Croc Institute to discuss this year's Nobel Peace Prize recipient, the United Nations World Food Program. Our guests today are Peter Wallenstein, who is Professor Emeritus at the Croc Institute, as well as Senior Professor of Peace and Conflict Research at Uppsala University in Sweden. Each year, for many years, Peter has provided commentary on the Nobel Peace Prize recipient for the Kroc Institute community, as well as for a wide variety of media outlets. Welcome, Peter. Thank you very much. And I'm also glad to have with us here Dennis Akello, a 2007 graduate of the Kroc Institute's Master's Program in International Peace Studies. Dennis currently serves as the communications officer at Finca International, a nonprofit microfinance organization in Washington, D.C. Welcome, Dennis. Thanks, Anne. I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad that we were able to find time to get together and discuss this year's Nobel Peace Prize. To start with, I would ask each of you, what brings you to this podcast? Can you describe the work experience or studies you've participated in that have led you to want to talk about the Nobel Peace Prize and this year's award to the World Food Program? Peter? Yeah, thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, And uh, I find uh, the Nobel Peace Prize being a very important standard of what we mean with peace. So it's always interesting to see what kind of laureates they select every year, because it, to some extent, helps us understand the meaning of peace. And of course, the Nobel Peace Prize and the Nobel Prizes in general are really unique in the beginning, as they were international. Before that, there were a lot of national prizes, the best Frenchman, the best American, etc., But these are really international, and I think that's what makes them a particular standard in the world. Of course, this is really the first Peace Prize. The first use of that term, Peace Prize, is really with the Nobel Prize. So it's an interesting prize, an important prize. Thank you. Dennis? I agree with Peter. The Nobel Peace Prize is something that all of us look forward to every day. We follow every day. I mean, every year. And as a graduate of the Kroc Institute's Peace Studies program, you know, I'm obviously interested in everything peace. There's a couple other reasons why I was very interested in participating in this discussion. The second reason is that I've worked for the United Nations, as you know, Anne. I worked for its humanitarian arm. And anyone who works in the humanitarian space for the UN or even outside the UN knows the World Food Program. It's just such a giant in that space. So in my work, I naturally encountered WFP. So I was really happy for them this year for winning the prize. And I wanted to come in and and talk a little bit about them and my experience with them. The third is that I actually have an interest in agriculture as well. I've worked for a research institute, the International Food Policy Research Institute. And so anything that's about food, hunger, agriculture interests me. So those are three intersecting things factors of the reason I guess I was really interested in this discussion. Yeah, I can uh, relate very much to what you said, Dennis, uh, because 
Of course, one of the arguments for this price is that it connects food and conflict in an interesting and important way. And that one is often overlooked because we had more of a debate about this some years ago. And it's now starvation as a tool in a war is now defined as a war crime. So things have happened. And I think this price helps to illustrate the significance of this connection between conflict and food. I agree. Absolutely. And the good thing is that recognition is not only in the halls of academia, it's the UN now explicitly recognizes that. I think it was 2018, a couple of years ago, when the Security Council came up with that resolution, I forget what it was, 2417 or something like that, where they made for the first time that explicit connection between hunger and conflict. And WFP was very instrumental in, in getting that passed. Yes, indeed. And in a way, it's sort of surprising that it's only 2018 that uh, the Security Council <laughs> took a resolution like that. I mean, it's Absolutely. been uh, obvious <laughs> before, but uh, I agree. That's an important recognition. Fascinating to hear these connections that I hadn't thought about of how this prize is particularly recognizing and emphasizing that connection between peace and conflict and hunger. In addition to this connection between hunger and and conflict that you mentioned, there's also a lot happening in the world right now in a number of different ways. And there's always a lot of speculation about who the prize will go to. Some contenders this year included the World Health Organization in the midst of the ongoing global pandemic, or Greta Thunberg for her work to raise awareness on climate change. What do you think is the significance of the selection of the World Food Program, particularly in the context of all these other global events and this particular focus on the World Food Program right now? Dennis? Oh, okay. As an African, I was deferring to the elder for the first uh, that question. Um, yeah, I think as we've been talking about that connection, this strengthens and emphasizes that connection, WFP winning. The second thing I think the significance is that it brings attention to the work that humanitarians are doing. WFP is carrying the flag in this instance for humanitarian actors around the world. We don't often, you know, talk about peace building, we're thinking about conflict situations, but very rarely do we talk about these humanitarians who are at the forefront saving lives and by so doing, perhaps avoiding escalations of conflict or even the breakout of conflict. So that's really significant. And the next thing I hope it means is that there will be not just increased attention to, you know, what we've talked about, food and hunger uh, and conflict, that connection, but also to, in a tangible way, to organizations working on the front lines like WFP, that there'll be more funding to them. As you know, we live in uh, COVID times, but even before COVID, there were already a lot of problems with funding for, you know, organizations like the WFP and the UN in general. So hopefully this increased attention, the spotlight allows greater contributions funding-wise towards, you know, WFP and others like that. Yeah, I very much agree with uh, what Dennis said. But I I think it also sends a message uh, in a time when many turn against international organization and what we call multilateralism. And this is a strong message that these kind of problems cannot just be solved on a, on a national level. There is a need for international efforts 
and the World Food Program uh, being, as Dennis said, I mean, the major actor here brings home that message that we need to have these kind of organizations to have a chance to meet the goals of uh, zero hunger, which is the goal of the sustainable development goal number two. So uh, I think that's sort of a hidden message here. Countries go get together and work on this together. That's an interesting point. It, it makes me think about the way that, at least in some recent years that I'm aware of, it's been clear that sometimes the Nobel Peace Prize is awarded to encourage a certain direction rather than simply an acknowledgement of something that's been accomplished, like a, a peace agreement that's been reached or something. But but sometimes it's made in order to say, we hope that more of this will happen in the future. I don't know if that, I mean, it sounds like that could be part of the, the goal here to encourage this multilateralism and the focus on hunger and hope that more of it happens. But do you think, Peter, that that's something that's happened more in recent years, or has the Nobel Prize always had this sort of dual function of both recognizing achievement and encouraging a direction? Yeah, yeah, I think you are right. I mean, that there is both this sort of aspirational thing and, and the reward for achievements. So, for instance, when President Obama got this in 2009, it was really in the hope that he would really be instrumental in, uh, in changing not only the political climate in the world, but also achieve something in, in disarmament. And we can say, yes, the, very little happened. And sometimes it is, like you said, when President Carter got it, it was for the Carter Center and what he had achieved during 20 years. So there are both these strands in, in the price. And one year they emphasize one, another year another. That's fascinating. What are some of the main challenges facing efforts to reduce and eliminate global hunger? And what is the particular role of the World Food Program in the UN in that effort? How does the World Food Program fit in the larger efforts and how is it unique? There are several significant challenges to food security uh, in general. I think the first one that is a little difficult to deal with, to call on WFP to deal with, is climate, you know, climate change. As we've seen, extreme weather events are happening now, and that's affecting food security, whether it's flood, flooded fields, whether it's drought and famine. And this very often can be, you know, sites of tension and which can lead to conflict. The WFP, I'm not sure you can do too much about that, but fortunately there's this uh, broad sort of global uh, framework now, the Paris Accord, and fortunately some countries are, are deciding not to be a part of it, but at least there's this growing consensus around climate change and that we must do something about it. The other one obviously is, you know, conflict also affects, you know, food, food security for a lot of people. And WFP, you know, it plays its part by going into these areas sometimes where other humanitarian actors struggle to access and WFP somehow has managed to, to find ways to reach people in those places. What I can say that WFP can play a critical role on top of what it's already doing, you know, going and providing relief, saving lives through its uh, provision of food and nutrition in very difficult places, is it can also empower smallholders. I mean, smallholder farming 
is the reason why a lot of people in around the world, actually, in sub-Saharan Africa, in Asia, Latin America, the reason why they're able to eat the year, to have food. The, almost 80% of food production in these areas come from smallholders. So strengthening their capacity to produce optimally, efficiently, would be a, a, an important step towards not eliminating hunger, but at least ensuring more people have access to food. And WP is already doing that, as you may know, through its Purchase for Food for Progress program. I, I call it newish because I guess it's still trialing it in a lot of places. But through that, it's supporting smallholders in the places where it works. It's providing training, it's giving them the agronomic knowledge they need to grow to grow the best way in the in the small plots. And then it's supporting local economies, you know, by assuring these farmers of a market. It's playing, you know, its role in the local economy. So, yeah, I think that it can be a catalyst for some of these changes that need to be made, especially when it comes to agriculture itself, the practice of agriculture and the people involved in agriculture, but the sort of wider policy. It's also involved, obviously, in, in advocacy as its work with uh, getting resolution 24-17 shows. Dr. Wallenstein, maybe you have your ideas as well. Love yeah, l- let me add on to uh, what you are saying, which I think is all very correct. I mean, it's really the small farmers that are central, and uh, their conditions need to be much better than they are today. And it's not really the big farms, the extremely commercial farms that will help, will solve this problem. No, it has to be on a much more local level and where people actually have an income and can, you know, generate effects in the local economy. So I agree very much with that, but that needs, we us, forces us also to think a little about international trade. How is that uh, organized? Uh, the European Union is a sort of a customs union to block some products uh, from the south it's a double-edged sword how to deal with that. But basically, the hunger problem will be solved through development issues, whereas the World Food Programme is, as Danny said, I mean, it's a humanitarian organization and it's admirable in the way they can get into conflict situations and that they are respected from the different parties to deliver food. And it's a really huge number of people that sustain themselves on the World Food Programme. So that's a good humanitarian measure, but of course that needs to be translated into real development, and in particular agricultural development. Uh, And there you need support from other agencies and international bodies. Very good points. Thank you. Dennis, you already mentioned that one of the impacts of the Nobel Peace Prize going to the World Food Programme might be more increased funding, that that could be one of the values of it. Are there other impacts that you think this particular selection of the World Food Program for the Nobel Peace Prize, are you other, other ways that might impact hunger relief efforts that either of you can think of? Well, I, I think we can at least argue that this shows the significance of the Sustainable Development Goals and and the goal of reducing hunger. And many observers, when commenting on this prize, noticed that, uh, in fact, a promising trend towards reduction of hunger has been reversed, and particularly now in the past year with the COVID-19 impact. 
So I think it helps to highlight the, the significance of the hunger problem. It's not going away. On the contrary, it might be getting worse and it become more difficult to reach the sustainable development goal by 10 years from now. So I think in that sense, it's, it's a good price that highlights things. And I went back to see, has this peace price been used for hunger and so on before? And it's very rarely, but about 15 years ago, they gave to the Grayman Bank uh, the, the microfunding, which of course achieved something of this that Dennis talked about. 50 years ago, they gave it much more controversially to the Green Revolution. Uh, Mr. Borlaug, that, uh, you know, with more efficient and new seeds and so on, we will solve the, the food problem. Well, uh, either way, it hasn't really worked. Uh, and that tells us this is a large problem which requires structural reforms, both inside countries, but also in the international system. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, the... The Nobel Peace Prize this is, a, is a powerful platform. And if that platform can be used to bring greater attention to an issue, you know, something like food security, like agriculture, like hunger, then it's serving a really critical role. But, uh, you know, the f ultimately, if it doesn't translate into funding, right, I have to, to emphasize that. I mean, you get, what, a million bucks, I guess, if you win this. Prize for WFP, that's yeah, for such a large organization, that's nothing. What we what would like to see is that organizations, not just the World Food Program, but others like it, receive the support they need, whether it's funding, whether it's policy, that they receive that support so that they're more effective. Uh, take the example of, of WFP. I mean, it's huge, as we know it, but it's not able to reach everyone that it, it can reach, that it should be able to reach. I mean, last year, I guess, they served about 100 million people in maybe about 100 countries, but there were still about 30 to 40 million people that it could have reached. And that's really significant. So if this prize translates into greater support, we'll begin to see a, a reduction in these cases of acute hunger so that's my prayer that this this prize really translates into a very tangible support to not just the welfare program but others uh, providing similar support to people who need it the most. I imagine that that can be an effect of it because now it becomes interesting for political leaders and so on to be photographed together with the, the <laughs> executive <laughs> director. And of course, then he can ask for some money and, and probably hopefully get it. But it, you raise another interesting issue, and that is what will the organization do with the $1 million? Uh, I hope they will try to think about some of the issues you mentioned, that, uh, you know, how can we reach these other people that we don't reach? What kind of methodology do we need to develop? And if one could set the money aside for that, that, that could be the beginning of, of, of a more effective way of reaching out. But I don't know what, what they will do. But it is symbolic, of course. Nobel, when he gave the prize, his idea with it was basically for the natural scientists that this prize would be so big that a scientist in physics or a, or a writer should be able to live on the money that they would get. And today the, the prize is not that big, but the attention it generates and the prestige it generates can perhaps be translated into these kind of resources. That's it. Great observation. 
I was thinking the other context that I thought of as you were speaking was just this week at the Keough School, we had an event where a a film was live streamed. It's a new uh, short documentary called The Hunger Ward, which focuses on hunger efforts in Yemen and follows particularly two healthcare workers, a nurse and a doctor at two different places. But it puts it in such stark personal terms following families and children and what's happening to them in the context of it's very clear that all all this dire agonizing hunger and starvation is also linked to the conflict that's happening around them and that it really ties them together and it it really in the context of that movie this this award takes on a much bigger impact they they talk about relief efforts and how they impact people but that it's like a microcosm of this bigger challenge that you've been describing that you've both been um, talking about that reflects across the world so i appreciate your perspectives it's really great to have you all both here with us i don't know if you have any final comments that you didn't have a chance to make you're welcome to let us know any additional comments as as we're closing up dennis it's great to have you back with us after a long time and being able to follow your path from Uganda through the United Nations agencies and work and various kinds of research and analysis that you continue to do in DC and globally. So it's great to have have you back with us to to share your insights after all that time. Um, No, I'm really, yeah, thanks for inviting me um, to this podcast. I've enjoyed this conversation and it was great to to reconnect, yes. Like I was telling Dr. Wallenstein, I never got the chance to meet him, but we heard so much about him when I left. And I know you because, you know, I was there for two years. So yeah, it's really great to reconnect. Croc is is always going to be my family, so... Thanks for this um, opportunity. Great, and good to have you back with us as well, Peter. We can never never let you go, emeritus or not. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, um, like Dennis, I mean, uh, once connected with the Croc Institute, uh, you remain that <laughs> for, for your life, more or less. No, and I appreciate that you took up this uh, theme uh, because uh, for too long we have assumed that uh, this is not a peace problem, but it actually is a peace problem. And that's what we need to uh, understand now. And I hope this gives us a little more emphasis on this and and particularly this of using starvation as a tool or as has been done, food aid only goes to those that, you know, comply with what you want to do, not to those in need. All these kind of issues, I think, are inside this price. And I hope that it helps us to remember that and maybe initiate more research on that, but also initiate action that tries to make it clear that this is an illegal way of using food. Food is a basic human right and everybody should have that in a society and a good society make sure people do not starve thank you thank you both for joining us you've been listening to the croc cast peace studies conversations convened by the university of notre dame's croc institute for international peace studies you can find all episodes of the croc cast on apple podcasts google podcasts tune in 
Stitcher, Spotify, and online at croc.nd.edu slash podcast. You can also rate and review our show, which will help more people to find us. For more updates and stories from the Croc Institute, follow us online on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.